been instilled with tactics and training for battling enemies overseas, but we are not taught how to battle the ones within. When the combat zone becomes your comfort zone, what becomes of the home front? I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Together, we're tackling tough topics to conquer whatever challenge you're facing. From your soft unit to your family unit, with our amazing lineup of guests, including special operators, field experts, and so much more. This isn't your typical cool guy podcast. Welcome to All Secure. Eric Frohart is a Navy SEAL combat veteran with nearly 12 years of active duty service to our nation. While on active duty, he served on various SEAL teams, including the highly revered Naval Special Warfare Development Group, Dev Group. Over the course of his career, he deployed numerous times to hotspots around the world, including Iraq and Afghanistan. As a SEAL, Eric was trained in the use of various firearms, explosives, radio and computer communication devices, combat diving, high-altitude parachuting, battlefield medicine, wilderness survival, climbing, mountaineering, hand-to-hand combat, and tactical driving. That's a mouthful. He was also a sniper. While on active duty, he also climbed El Capitan and two of the seven summits, Denali and Aconcagua. Eric was medically retired at the beginning of 2010 as a SEAL operator after being injured in combat. After leaving the Navy, Eric went on to start an indoor gun range and gun store in Denver, Colorado. He stepped down from the daily operations in order to become the CEO of StrongFirst, strongfirst.com, a fitness company with nearly 5,000 instructors in 40 countries. After that, Eric served as the Director of Education and Training for the NRA, where he led and served over 1,000 110,000. Yeah, I almost messed that one up. Uh, of certified firearm trainers nationwide. Now Eric works as a COO of Defy, a performance beverage company nationwide with over 11,000 stores. Not a 1,000. That's a real number. 11,000 stores at Defy, drinkdefy.com. Most importantly, though, Eric and his wife have been happily married for over 20 years, and they have four kids ranging from 10 to 17 years old. He volunteers for the Navy SEAL Foundation and serves as the committee chair for the Denver-based Evening of Tribute. He is also active in his church and his local community, and most of all, he enjoys being a husband and a father. That's nice to hear. That is nice to hear. I was like, I wonder if he enjoys being a Navy SEAL more with four kids. That can be difficult. Yeah, they came after, though. So you'll, you'll dive into Eric's story. He was super fascinating to listen to. Really enjoyed our conversation with him. I think you guys are going to get a lot out of it, too. I, I really love what he said about um, one of a low point in his life, about his faith and not sharing it. And then yeah, that, the next day, that friend story. he thought about, you know. So, yeah, listen Save up and, and hear that. Now, I'm not going to share it, man. Yeah. I'm just teasing it out. We're just teasing it out. So tune in and let's get started. Let's do this. I, lo- I love, yeah, I don't need to tell war stories. I mean, everyone does that. Um, very, uh, I think, you know, the, the hardest war story I have is that, you know, just what happened when I got out of the teams, yeah. right? Yeah. In many ways, in many ways, and I'm sure you could agree with this, but like, it was hard to become a Navy SEAL and go through all that training. And, and there were times where the job was harder than the training, right? Um, leaving yeah. the kids and leaving, you know, my wife, Leah, and all that sort of thing. Um, but nothing was as hard as getting out of the Navy. True. So it was Good. much, <laughs> it was much harder for me, like as hard as SEAL training is and all the deployments and combat missions and all of that, like, quite frankly, it was harder to leave the military, uh, 
to leave the the teams or in you know like used to be like I read your bio too like you used to be somebody and then all of a sudden you're another dad at the grocery <laughs> yeah. store yeah buying, buying cereal and diapers and, and and unlike unlike a former like a pro athlete like they can walk around they're like oh that's you like they know like kind of sort of like oh I know who you are or what you used to do but like guys like us we just walk around like you know we're not famous not that I mean right. we don't we don't join the military for that uh for fame or money or anything like that but you just kind of have to I used to be able to see when people would ask me, what did you do? I could say, I'm a Navy SEAL. Like, yeah, very, very easy. And then when you get out, it's like, well, what do you do? I'm like, well, at that time, I'm like, I'm kind of a security consultant, but I'm not really sure. And I'm still trying to figure it out. Right. Like, it's just all of all of that. So we, sorry we, we've talked a lot about that with people. Would you I, even the SF guys, you get, hey, they've been out 10 years. Hey, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a retired Green Beret. Oh, uh, Exactly. Is that is that a job? Is, you get paid for being a retired Green Beret. I mean, <laughs> yes, it, you do. I, well, actually. not no. You've already earned that shit. But <laughs> yeah, it, it, that that would come out of people's mouths. You know, uh, you know, I was a well, that was ten years ago. What do you do? Because that means you're living in the past, which means you'll never get it back, which means you miss it, which means you probably have some turmoil going on inside, like we all do. Yeah. I mean, we didn't do it for that, but right when it's over and nobody knows what you did, most of our retreats, the first thing I say is, "Hey, welcome." No one gives a shit what you did for a living. We're not even going to talk about that. No one gives a shit where you came from, what rank you made, and nobody cares unless they want to use that for something for them. Yeah, yeah. So the first chance we can to learn that, that's that's the first, uh, I think, step in healing and moving on. If you, know, if you don't need to heal, you just need to move on. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Cool. Uh, that's, that's daily life, man. It's actually going on right now in a signal chat with a bunch of veteran unit members about people talking on social media and shouldn't and the warrior code. And I'm like, in the 30 years I've been associated, 33 years since I've been associated with that unit, when I first got there, I said, I've never received an email where anybody in the command asked me how I was doing. You send these admonishing emails about you need to shut up and you need to do this. You need to be quiet in the warrior code. I go, what's the warrior code, by the way? Yeah. I'll kick you in the ass on the way out the door and forget about you? Is that the warrior code? Because is that an active duty warrior code or is it a warrior total code? Because I don't understand the code. And I mean, there's a today, this morning, there's a back and forth about, right. you guys know who you are. I'm like, mm, you guys aren't saying this shit. You're not saying it directly. You're being a bunch of babies and not talking directly to each other's faces. Yeah. This is so much drama. And I think, you know, I think having, I don't know. I mean, I at first kind of when I first got out, like, so I was, I was in for just about like right at 12 years and now I've been out for 12 years. So I've got this exact, you know, 24 year period where I've, of my adult life where half of it I was in and now half of it, it was out. So I'm like, I have a good perspective of what it was like in and what it was like out and things that work when you're in the military and they don't work, you know, on the outside or, or vice versa. And, uh, you know, at first I didn't think, uh, I always kind of thought that guys like us were kind of immune to PTSD or whatever, or <laughs> that's the immune, rumor immune to like, I don't know, like just the mental, you know, the, the problems. I'm like, I'm like, there's no way like that I would, none of my friends would ever or teammates would 
do something as foolish as like, you know, or as sad as committing suicide, right? Like that's right. the, it like that's the worst of the worst. And now it's, you know, I've, I've seen it happen too many, you know, too many times, right? And it yeah. just, it was the delayed from the multiple deployments and all that. And, and then some of the things we've already talked about, like, you know, not moving on and uh, not like, you know, it's good to have that past and remember it and like deal with it in your way. And, and I think it's, I think you're right. I mean, talking to, you know, former teammates, super helpful. Um, but most importantly, like asking them how you're doing yeah, uh, and how you doing, like what's going on. So I, I'm you, I always get too busy with my own thing, whether it's work or family, but I do try to, especially like certain days, like certain days, like every year I know, like this is the anniversary of this guy's death or this or that or the other, like there's a, you know, too many of those, too many of those days are on my calendar, but I, I put them on my calendar as a reminder to kind of check into other teammates who, you know, knew those guys at that time. So. Right. That list gets big. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's like you said, to check on your strong friends because, you know, it's, it's shocking. And when I met Tom, you know, he had lost more friends at that time. Well, actually, today we were just talking about that. He's lost more friends to suicide than he did in combat. And he's like, think about that. You yeah. know, I've lost more friends on this side of the fence than that. And, yeah, um, you know, you, you lost someone very close. In fact, that's kind of how I first saw you on yeah. social media was you coming out and speaking about, um, someone that you had lost, a teammate that was close to you, um, very, close. very close. And, you know, we often don't talk about what that impact is on teammates. How did that, I mean, it seems obvious, how did it affect you? But truly, how did that sit with you when you found out? Yeah, it was just, I mean, I was shocked by it. Um, and it also like, it also made me, I don't want to say guilty, mm. but I, Like I had, you know how it is like after you've gotten out and you talk to like friends and maybe some of them are still in or they're on their way out and they're like kind of asking how you're doing or what you're doing. Um, And I've had that happen a few times. And at that point in my life, at that point in my life, I was like, oh, everything's awesome because, you know, we're so competitive I'm like, this is what I'm doing and this and that and the other. And here's what I got going on. Like, kind of like, and not the last time I talked to that friend of mine who killed himself and I could, I don't know, something wasn't right. He was talking and just kind of asking. I know he was getting out of the military and that's one of the, one of the absolute hardest things, you know, enlisted guy like me who didn't go to the Academy um, and doesn't have like some, job waiting for me at some think tank in DC, right. To make six figures a year getting right out. Like I had to go figure something out. Right. As most of us do and him and others have, you know, they're like, well, how did you do this? Or what did you do that? Or like, how'd you find this job or whatever? Um, And just sometimes I think, and I know I did in this instance, but sometimes we paint it with, too much of like rose colored glasses, like how good we're doing or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Social media. A close. Well, yes, but this is a friend of mine on the phone. And one of the lessons I've learned now is like, okay, like 
especially with like I'm not an oversharer or like overly vulnerable, I guess you'd say, but there are certain friends like, hey, no, like this was a struggle I had or whatever, yeah. just so that they know it's okay. Right. Like 100%. they people need to know, like, hey, it's like, yeah, it's hard to get out of the military and it's hard to go find it's hard to go find some a way to support your family. Yeah, right. I'm not the only one feeling this way, I think is the key right. takeaway right. Is, is, oh, you too? Like, oh, and you too? Oh, so I'm not crazy. I'm not the weird one and I shouldn't, you know. Well, and even what you said, you're competitive in nature. So <laughs> I, I've never heard it put that way, but dang, that is spot on is I'm good. I'm great. And what that picture paints is false and untrue. And therefore, the person who's hearing the story is going, shit, everybody else has got it together but me. 100%. And meanwhile, I'm totally wasn't like, I don't know. I just wasn't like, if I would have just been more, I mean, the result could have been the same or sure. whatever. Like there were other, there are bigger factors at play. But of course, the lesson that I take from that is when I talk to a former teammate, especially someone who's been out maybe for a shorter period than me or just on their way out or whatever. And I'm like, you know, just be honest. Like, yeah, I had these ups and I had these downs and I've succeeded here, failed here or whatever. And yeah, I've had to, you know, not everything and that I learned in the military like applies, but some of it does. And this is what I've done. And by the way, this is what's worked for me and I don't have it figured out. So, <laughs> Who right? does? I'd like to meet that person who's got it yeah, all figured out. I want to meet those people. Yeah, take some notes. But that's so cool that you've gotten to that place where you're being authentic, using yeah. the big V word when you need to, um, you know, and, and checking in on your strong friends. But you also brought up another great point. You're an entrepreneur. You um, have done a lot of successful things since you've left the military. How did you find your footing? Uh, yeah, it's like one uh, – a, one piece of advice I've given to a lot of friends is like at first, like unless you, you know, you had something lined up when you're getting out, like thankfully now they do that. Um, I, I found out just three months before a deployment that I was no longer able to deploy because of an injury from the previous deployment. Dang. So the Bureau of Navy Medicine just came to the command and said, you know, this guy is unfit, right? And it was because of an injury or whatever. Um, and then I got a med board. So with within, it was like, it was under six months. Wow. And from when I found out I couldn't go to when I was basically catapulted out of the Navy, right? And people nowadays... Most people, I had 12 years in, right? Um, most people are going to get a, in the Navy, we call it a twilight tour. Yeah. So you go get instructor duty somewhere and you have two years of a cush job. Maybe you're taking some night classes. Maybe you're traveling or at minimum you're networking and you're setting up your next thing, right? Yeah. Right. Never got that, right? Just kicked out not kicked out but med you know right. medically yeah. separated but it felt that and way did, did they not offer you like an admin job or would you or you would been like no hell no i mean or did they offer you yeah. another position within the navy i was offered yeah i was offered to work at the command uh as you know in the kind of the sniper training team um but at the same hand like i had 12 years in 
Like if I had like 17 in and I could <laughs> yeah, just write, yeah. if that's I could write, write a desk for three more to get my 20, then I would have done it. Yeah. I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to do it for eight. Right. So <laughs> right. I ended up getting a, I ended up getting a partial medical retirement partial. Mm. Um, so it was only 30%, but at least I got TRICARE. So I got the yeah. TRICARE for life, the healthcare thing. And then kind of a back, a weird story, but I didn't really have a, I mean, I didn't have a, a rating from the VA. This is how dumb I was. Right. And so I went 10 years without a full VA rating. So my wife, uh, and I'm going to plug this organization really quick, the DAV, the Disabled uh -huh. American Veterans. Yeah. So my wife was just bugging me because all my all my friends started to get out a few years later and they're all 100%, 100%, And, you know, I lost a kidney. I got IED multiple times in Dang. like combat. I'm, and my wife's like, dude, you got to be 100%. Give me a break. And kidney's only worth yeah, like you five, don't have a five percent for a kidney you know <laughs> i know and there's like all these people who have like you know just like i mean i had someone who actually worked for me at the gun range that i ran in denver who never did a combat deployment but had a hundred percent from like ptsd or something and i'm not bad mouthing that i'm just saying right. i didn't have long story short i went and through the paperwork with the dav and they, you know, I signed the power of attorney. They set up like four or five medical appointments. Okay. Two months later, 100% permanent and final, right? So I love the DAV. I'm plugging them big time. Anyway, long like back to your question, what do you do? Like my advice to people now is at first, if you don't really know what you're going to do, then everything is kind of a yes. Like you want to like your aim might change as you get over this hill. Right. So you're kind of like, yes, yes, I want to do this as long as it kind of supports. Like, if, does this help my family? Does this help enrich me and my family? And am I helping others? Right. So it's on kind of mission. And then at some point, at some point, you have to flip to where most things are no. Um, so you kind of cast a wide net at first and figure out where the fish are biting. And then you start casting there more. Right. And it's yeah. and it might be it might kind of ebb and flow. Like there might be times where I'm for sure going to be doing like very focused here. But there were there were a number of different things that I did when I left the military that I was kind of at first. I was like, I don't want to do that. There's no way I'm not going to do it. And then I did it and it like made all the difference. Right. And I did something like whether it was speaking or doing a, a training event for like this group of like VIPs or whatever it was, like some of those things that I just did not want to do because I don't know, I was more comfortable sitting at my desk and answering emails or whatever, right? Yeah. Like going outside of my comfort zone. Um, those things made all the, they made all the difference, right? Doing those, doing those things. But then there, there's also that, it's kind of that art and that science. There was also a time to realize like, okay, now I'm doing too many things. <laughs> I'm not going to be successful unless I focus over here. So. I love that. I love that you said like cast a wide net and get out of your comfort zone. I love that because here's a Navy SEAL saying, get out of your comfort zone. Everybody yeah. looks to you guys like, oh, in fact, we were just watching a comedy skit last night that was hilarious. Um, and it's always like the SEALs come in, they're badass, and everybody knows in the room what's going on. And so for you to say like, hey – you know, the military career, I, it had its challenges, of course, 
Um, right. But the battlefield you had to fight more, like the tougher shit you had to face was here. Yep. What were some of those things that were tough for you to face? You know, a couple of, obviously it was hard, um, kind of hard to be away from my team, mm -hmm. right? I was in a team environment for so long. And then all of a sudden I thought I was not in a team environment. Um, I later learned that like I was now part of a new team and a more important team, my family, right? I love that. Um, yes. Listen so up, people. Listen up. <laughs> Listen to this. This is a recurring theme that we push. <laughs> and when someone else says it, I stop. Yes. Your family matters. We, we've forsaken them for so long for the job. The job, the number one job. The world needs us, right? How many I families? I've lost, people have lost family after family after family. Yep. You know? I was so... Um, it all kind of works together. It all ties together. But I realized, you know, I didn't have my team anymore until I realized, no, now I have a more important team that I had the whole time. Um, and I didn't know that because I was so singularly focused on being the best operator I could be that I was like, first and foremost, a SEAL operator. And then like, oh, and I'm also a husband and father, right? Maybe so, if there's time, if there's time for it. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, probably just like you, I mean, there's a long period of time where I'm gone two to 300 days a year. So yeah. it was definitely the minority of the time that I was home. Right. And then I'd yeah. come home and take out the trash and do some laundry and then repack and leave again. Um, yeah. Yell at everybody. So, what are you doing it this way for? This is not when I left, it was different. You know, it's <laughs> get changing your shit my to... wife's like whole schedule. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but like that was hard. The other thing, you know, I mentioned just having, uh, like one of the hardest things when you get out is not not knowing how to support your family. So yeah. it's not like you make a lot of money in, in the army or the Navy, yeah. but I knew like, I, it wasn't a big deal. Like everyone knew what I made. Like we all know what we make. Um, so it's easy. Like, Hey, we're going to do, you know, this is, this is how we live. Right. And then right. when you get out, it's more, it's a little easier to get in the keeping up with the Joneses world. Cause people mm. don't know what you make. And then for a while, I mean, I went, maybe 18 months without a real job. Right. So yeah. until I actually, I'm like, well, I can't find a job. I'll just make one and started a business. So, um, that that's hard not being able to support your yourself and your family. Um, obviously just kind of, it just really like hurts your pride and especially puts you, put you in a fear mentality, which is not a good place to live. You know, like <laughs> I'm, I'm fearful that I can't provide. And so that would make me very aggressive. I mean, when I get afraid or surprised and she's learned not to, I used to, well, she still does it. I walk through the house and she'll jump out and scare the shit out yeah, of me. Yeah, don't do that anymore. I'm instantly angry for about an <laughs> I hour. I used to think it was funny. Because, it's not funny. You know, <laughs> all those emotions go straight oh, to anger, shit. you know, rage, yeah. and then it backs off from there. Uh, survival. But that, that, those two things, like not having my team or not thinking I did, not knowing how to support myself. And then I honestly, the biggest the the hardest part for me the biggest battle was like you know that that loss of identity mm. so I, I alluded to it earlier i was a navy seal an operator and then i was you know i'm a christian a husband a father and that like the list goes on but like the first sentence was always i'm a navy seal and then all of a sudden i wasn't so it was like I didn't know who I was or what the heck am I supposed to do? And, you know, it, it, like, I think 
and that can happen in any job where you take your title, your role, or your job, and you let that, if you let that define your identity too much, um, could be a climber, could be a professional skier of NF, like I work now with Terrell Davis, Hall of Fame football player, right? If you let that past life or even the current job define you, it's not sustainable because you can, you can lose a job or even sell a company or get out and have a successful act. It doesn't matter if you let that be like the bulk or most of what your identity is, then, then you're setting yourself up for trouble. Cause it's not, ultimately it's not sustainable, right? You're going to yeah. end up either retiring or moving on or whatever. And you know, they, they always say we're human beings. It's not human doings. And I think exactly. that was, you know, that was a big one for me. I That's think a big it's, one for it's me big too. to have and know what your core values are because mm -hmm. in, in the military, we become chameleons, right? You got to blend, you got to fit, you got to act like, and be like those you're around. And that changes us to do that all the time. And if we don't realize that, I'm blending and that's not really my core value anymore. You right. know, and then you're in you're in conflict with who you are really and you start realizing once you're out who you really are. Yeah. And that conflict goes between well the bros and the and the boys and oh, my mode. wife, oh yeah. the bros and and then the bros kind of stop answering the phone, you know. They they they're doing their thing, you know. And then you're yeah. out, you know, and then you're like, "Oh, well I only have over here." So I guess I'll turn over here finally, you know. And if they're lucky and if you're lucky enough that they're still there. Yeah. You know, your yeah. life can continue with the same with the same spouse you've had. What do yeah. you think um, getting out? We, I think we've talked about it a lot. But what do you think is the greatest barrier? And I'll say SEALs since you're a SEAL because um, I always ask everyone else, but military, the organizations, whatever. But to SEALs getting help. Is it is it like everything else? I mean, what, what, what is it with the SEALs? To, what's the barrier to keep them from getting help? Yeah, I think it's, you know. I think they're doing better now about it because more people are talking about it, but just, you know, you're supposed to be tough and like seals are supposed to be hard. Right. Which for sure. you know, you've gone through all this training and like, just even, even like, even saying like, uh, if you're having like struggling with something and telling people about it, like it's that, kind of that pride or the like, Oh, I'm just, I'm disappointing my wife or whatever. Like, well, what's your problem? And da, 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 da. And she's been nothing but, you know, supportive and helpful. Um, but I think it can happen, you know, to other people. Um, and just being, I don't know, afraid that, you know, if you tell someone like, Oh man, like, as an example, like Super Bowl Sunday is like always for me, like very hard, very hard Sunday because I won't go to the story of it all. But I had very close calls on on a particular Super Bowl Sunday and barely made it out alive. And then minutes later, four of my friends get shot, two of them killed. And then we had to try to recover their bodies and blah, blah. I don't want to go through all the details, but like, that's, that was my, that was this Super Bowl for me. Um, and now like, for whatever reason, like if I even just watch an NFL game, like the star spangled banner, like it gets me all choked up. Right. Yeah. And especially, especially on Super Bowl Sunday, just cause, and that was like 2008. Right. Um, that's how so, much it means. It, it, it yeah, truly it is part of you. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And those things that mean something, you know why they mean something. The American flag, you know. And there's so much. Oh, I yeah. don't like the flag. It's embarrassing with the flag. You're like, you don't. You don't even know. You don't even know what that means to people like us. You know. Right. It's a blanket of the dead. Really. It's. 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 Yeah. You know, and it's. Uh, you know, but you can't force people to respect things. So that's a hard struggle when you see people who live underneath your protection that defy what you believe in. Yeah. And that makes yeah. it tough. You know, I have probably the Vietnam era coming back. Yeah, baby killers. Now we're coming back. And it's it's kind of this similar struggle. I don't I don't feel it's as horrible as it was maybe, yeah. but I wasn't alive back then. Oh my uh, gosh. Was I alive back then? Yeah, I was almost alive back then. People forgot we were at war. Yeah. Well I mean literally if you think about now. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, wait, like we're at kids, war? We're like, yeah. We've dealt with a lot of uh <laughs> veterans, you know, they don't even know we're at war anymore. And, I, and, I, and my answer to the to warriors and veterans are good. You're doing your job. Yeah. You know, is the trash piling up in your front yard? No? Well, good. The trash right. man's doing his damn job. Are you out there thanking him every morning for it? Because you're waiting around, th- waiting for a thanks for, you know, hey, I fought for freedom of speech, right? Yep. Not not mine. You want to burn a flag? Go buy one. Hey, that's, that's you know, capitalism. Yeah. Buy it. Burn it. You wasted your money. Good deal. You just made somebody a, a profit. But, yeah, you know, but that means something to somebody. And that's hard to get past for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, I, I I agree. I mean, if if someone's gonna burn a flag or or kneel or whatever, I mean, that's up to them. I I get it. I don't have to. I don't agree with it, but right. they, you know, I fought for freedom of speech. I fought for all all these freedoms, right? And uh, that's fine. Like you go ahead and kneel, and you know, because. Someone else, right, uh, is allowing you to do that. Right, so, right. right. They, they, they lose the sight of that. And I think that's where a lot of us can sit and realize that's where the yeah. thank comes from. Your ability to protest. You're welcome. I know yeah. you hate me because I carry a, an automatic rifle. You know, it's uh, that's a sad. But you know what? That's called freedom and that's what it's all about. And I'd, I'd, I'd like to keep it there. I'd like to keep free, not just because of those yep. who don't appreciate it. Um, yep. Speaking of that freedom, mm-hmm. you um, you brought up another great point that you um, you have this new freedom. You're out of the military. You can essentially choose anything at this point to a degree. Um, and you said, I couldn't find the job I wanted, so I created it. And mm-hmm. we know that veterans are incredible entrepreneurs. In fact, the largest group of entrepreneurs after World War II, veterans, I mean, um, created a ton of companies, successful businesses. So tell me a little bit about the hole that you couldn't find and what you created. Yeah, it's just an interesting arc to where I am now. So I, I did some security consulting for a while. Um, like, no, (laughs) say you did it. -uh. It was, it was local. It was domestic though. I was doing like corporate security presentations and training. Like I did, I didn't, I did tell myself like, I'm not deploying, like I'm not doing the, you know, the contractor deal after I got, cause I, I'm like, I checked that block. I had my close calls and yep. whatever. I'm going to do what I have to. Now um, I want to go do it with people I don't know. And they might not be trained. That sounds fun. Yep, yep exactly. So I did that. And then we found uh, one of the, one of the guys we were working with, we could not find uh we couldn't find a gun range that would allow us to draw from the holster and do mm. rapid fire. So like we went to this gun range, we're training people how to, you know, do concealed carry and that sort of thing. High net worth people, um, just teaching them some of the stuff that we learned. 
and uh, you know applying it more to the you know the civilian or private sector kind of um, application. And we're going to these gun ranges around Denver, and no one will let you fire more than one round every two seconds. I'm like, yeah, you can't do it. And then also, no one for sure would let you draw from a holster back then. So mm. we just, uh, my business partner and I, we found an old gun range that was for sale, and with help from one of the guys we were training, this high net worth guy, uh, we raised money and bought an old gun range and refurbished it. Nice. And we, you know, we built a training program there whereby we would allow people to rapid fire, right? We would allow, we would, we were one of the first ranges where we'd put someone through kind of a course and then they were allowed to draw from a holster on their own, not just in a training class, right? So we were doing all this kind of stuff just to kind of, at the time to meet a need that wasn't being, you know, filled because most gun ranges, it was like, just slow fire, bullseye plinking, you know, that sort of thing, which has its has its place, but not in that, not in a... Not forever. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, Did you have a line around the corner of like, everybody who wanted to do that, I want to do that, and you can do it here. And you're like, you're not going to do it here until I show you how to do it here. <laughs> yeah. We had a process, you know, they get signed off to where they could do the draw from the holster and they had their little card, right? So... That that was fun, um, and then I kind of went from that to. Uh, I worked at a. I went and joined a company called Strong First, which is a, a kettlebell training organization. Working for a, a friend and mentor of mine, Pavel Pavel Satsulin, the Russian dude who brought the kettlebell to the U.S. Yeah. So he uh, brought me on as his CEO. So I did nice. that for like three years running a, a really a, a fitness organization that had, I think we had like 4,000 instructors in 40 Dang. different countries. It was super. And I was always very I'm passionate about fitness. And I always like, oddly I had for like the better portion of my career, I'd use the kettlebell a lot to train anyway. So I, I kind of, for me, it was like a merging of, of something I love doing and an opportunity. Um, I did that for three years. And then um, during that time, I did some consulting for the NRA because of my experience teaching and shooting. And uh, I had done some, uh, I had helped them rewrite one of their pistol training programs um, because of things I did in the Navy and then things I did after and whatever. Um, and I've always done a lot of instruction. Like uh, there's a common theme of like teaching, training and instruction. So long story short, after I left strong first after three years and for right around three years, I was the, the national director of all training for the NRA. Nice. So wow. I was living in, I was living in Colorado and flying to Fairfax weekly. So that got old pretty quick. Um, it was, it, it was a really awesome opportunity. You know, I had a, I think I had a staff of 12 to 14 at nice. headquarters and we had to manage 120,000 instructors. So <laughs> it was, it was interesting. Uh, and I didn't, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed the work and I enjoyed like, 
you know, I was kind of, there's a lot of politics there, but I knew that I could like, I could make one minor change or one necessary change to like firearms training curriculum and 120,000 instructors, it would benefit them. So you, the, the ability to make an impact was massive. Um, was that stressful? But, yeah. It's very stressful, very political. <laughs> like who's and... going to who's going to correct me? Who's going to challenge me? Who's going to call bullshit? And who, you know, I mean, that's always going through my head. Like as soon as I write something down, who's going to challenge this and how will I win that argument? You know? Yep. Yeah, it was super stressful. And then there was, you know, there was a degree of, I don't know, just office politics there. That <laughs> no, <I> no, <laughs> no. I wasn't equipped to handle. And, uh, you know, any. Like I'm very grateful for the job and I'm grateful for the NRA, but I was not going to succeed in that role if, unless we a moved there and B I would have to kind of just change the way I operated. I wasn't going to do that. So we parted ways. And, uh, for a little while I did some more consulting and whatever, and, uh, brings me to what I'm doing now. So, uh, you know, I would never have guessed that, after I left the military that I would be a, a COO of a beverage company, but that's what I'm doing now. And the point is you don't have to know, like you do have to set your aim on something and start moving. And by the way, you might press this hill and change your target. Um, but you can't, you can't sit there and wait, right? You do right. have to kind of get moving and um, overthinking is like, and veterans are prone to doing this, but overthinking <laughs> is like the quickest way to unhappiness. So yeah. sometimes, sometimes you're just better when you're busy. Sometimes yeah. to a point. Yeah. I can guarantee everybody that's listening and that will listen to this, that when you're in the SEAL teams and you're getting out, you're not going to go become a SEAL. You're not going to do the same thing. Same with the Army, same with the uh, you know, Air Force and the Marines. Yeah. When you're getting out, it's going to change immensely. You won't have the support. You can run off to this, you know, ground branch or you can go, I want to be a cop. It's similar. Uh, you know, it will never be the same. Yeah. No one has ever got out now and said, oh, it's the same. So that struggle is going to happen and, and people go into it blindsided. They, they, uh, it's weird. And then yeah. they then they get confused and they start looking in the rearview mirror and focusing on that while they're driving their car going a thousand miles an hour and not looking to the future. And they're going to crash that thing. hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, I wanted to ask you, we talked a little bit about your friend, um, Bill. Yeah. You posted about that. I read that. That's so hard. I hear it all the time. Uh, so many times. It's just sad. How did his life inspire you? You know, um, I think that... I think the thing that I'm most inspired to do now is... To just be more like aware of of teammates who might be struggling. So when and if I get that phone call, I'm not like, oh, my life is so awesome. Like, <laughs> I don't know what your problem is because I got it figured out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. For me, it has inspired me to be more with those guys, with anyone who's getting out or has been out for a while or just calls and whatever and like, just being like open about, oh man, you know, I, I missed this or did that, or now I'm doing this job or I'm 
dealing with this issue or whatever. So I think I'm inspired to be, you know, to, you know, share weakness. If it sounds, I don't even know if that sounds right, but just telling like being, being honest with, with former teammates and teammates. That's it. Being honest. Honest. And, and what does honesty mean between teammates? Talking about weakness because we haven't done that, right? We lied about a lot of it probably along the way. And now we might have to readmit that, okay, I lied. Yeah. Something scare me. Um, yeah. It's it's tough, but when you I'll tell you my life changed when I opened up, became more vulnerable and found empathy and compassion again. I mean, I lost it a long, long, long time ago, you know, and I'd see people struggling. They're like, "Well, you should have thought about that a long time ago cuz you got yourself here." You know, and it was just it just had zero yeah. empathy. Um What's your problem? Yeah, like yeah. get over it and and man up, you know, and rub dirt on and all that shit that I tell people not to say now. It was just it's a bravado shield that I put up because I was lost and struggling. I had no idea what I was going to do. I had made no plans about it and, and stepped out. And I moved I moved to Jordan for two years and taught the Jordanian Army how to be special forces qualified, you know, and it was right. same thing. More money didn't make it better, right? It was the same thing. I was gone. I loved training, but I was gone and the family was lost. Yeah. I was going to say, do you hold on to any part of that training since, I mean, you're a sniper, you have all this experience, um, instructors, do you still shoot? Do you, is that still part of what yeah. you enjoy doing? Yeah, I do, you know, obviously not to the extent that I that I did, uh, and I, I don't have the time or the money to buy the ammo. Uh, but, <laughs> the you know, I try to get, I try to get some, uh, I try to get some range time um, here and there and, and uh, I'll, I'll even shoot my bow in the backyard. Nice. Right. I just enjoy blinging projectiles, I guess you'd say. Uh, <laughs> and even if it's a bow and arrow or, you know, handgun or whatever. And my, my son now in Omaha, one of the biggest sports here in high school is trap shooting. Nice. So oh, he's, yeah. uh, he's on the high school trap shooting team and we That's spend cool. Saturday mornings. I'm watching him shoot and whatever. So that's yeah, cool I, that you yeah, like have that with him, mm-hmm. a that shared cool. interest, and that's always really important. Did um, so were was he around then? You said when you were active duty, and how old was he when you were medically retired? Five, five. So he's yeah. still a real little guy. I was gonna say, did he have? They were all so young. Yeah, like I, I we had three. Uh, while I was at, while I was at the command, um, in Virginia beach. And, uh, but the oldest was five by the time I got out Yeah, and, and we had like it literally five, three and one and a half. Oh. Right. So they, I don't think I have great respect for the guys who are deploying and they're leaving their teenage sons behind. Yeah. Like that's a whole different, a whole different thing. Um, and I don't know, I mean, we didn't have to, you know, tackle that issue. So I don't think my kids really remember me being gone too much. Now my wife does, for sure. But <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she's a yeah. few moments Let's with talk about a her five, memory. three, and one. <laughs> yeah. Woo. When you did leave, I bet that was a nightmare. I know I heard about it. Well, how I, was your readjustment together? Because that's, I mean, she knew you one way too, and then you're home, yeah. you know. And, and we... So my wife and I have now been married 22 years, right? Nice. So she endured all the deployments and all of that. She's a saint. Um, and it was hard, like, going from 
you know, back, back then coming home from a deployment, like same thing probably happened to you. Like there were nights where you do an op on your last night of a deployment and come home, clean up, fly to, from wherever into Ramstein. And then from rent, like I'd be in back in Virginia beach, like within less than 48 hours after an op. Yeah. And then, you know, put, put your gear away a little bit. And then all of us, all of a sudden you're in line at Panera holding, <laughs> holding baby, and people are budging by you and you're just like, what happened? How, like, yeah. how so did I get here? Um, and that happened to me several times. Cause they didn't, I think now they do these kind of like decompression stops where they, they, on the way home, they stop somewhere, they fly a spouse out or whatever. And they just kind of like decompress a little bit. And nice. then they, go but for for me it was like just kind of kept rolling um and then i would come home and uh we'd try to readjust so there was a honeymoon period right like oh daddy's home or oh my husband's home and then pretty soon i'm i'm you know i get like a couple of weeks leave but then the kids still have school and i'm i'm changing the schedule and uh no you didn't do that the second she would get used to me then it's like, oh, but now I have a, a jump trip. So yeah. bye. And then, so it was kind of like always coming and going and always and coming and going. And it wasn't until I got out of the Navy that. And at that time, we've been married for quite a while. Um, I had not spent um, 30 consecutive nights at home in from basically from the moment we got married in 02. And I got medically retired in 2010. And uh, up to that point in our marriage, I had never spent a month at home. Like, yeah. so when I got out, there was a definite, there was a definite um, challenge just getting used to me being around. So she still like, likes you then. <laughs> at some point, she was like, you need to go take a trip. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I got out in 10 yeah. as well. It was the same thing. You and I saw the same transitions. Um, th the slight start of something maybe back then. I mean, I signed into those, you know, transitional briefings and yep. went to the bathroom and never went back to listen to the stupid briefing. I, I yep. didn't got out. When I got, I couldn't wait to get out. I didn't want to be told anything or listen to anything. Um, yeah. Now they're starting to take care of people first. These yep. transitional trips, man, I hope they're like a week long. Yeah. Did you, yeah, your like, wife at any it, point? It, it takes a long time to transition out of a yeah. combat zone into home and then yeah. into a family. And then she's with well, you for a long time now. My my thought and my father-in-law, like my dad, I mean, I've had great mentors. My parents are, have been amazing role models as parents and as, you know, being married and all of that. And like, I try to, I can learn something from anything. And my father-in-law, he was a, a business guy and he had always always harped on me about um lee iacocca oh yeah lee iacocca's whole his whole concept on re-entry mm. and re-entry was going from work to being at home and and having a boundary right so Smart. not bringing work home uh or having too much of your home at work like having a defined like i'm home now and i'm not working and uh that's quite frankly, pretty easy to do in the Navy because back then, you know, we had honestly a pager and a cell phone. So, and you can't take your gun home and train. So 
it like it was very easy not to bring work home. And when I was home, I was home. And of course, if we had a party, the guys would come over. We'd talk about work mostly. Um, but I wasn't like doing work at my house. And uh, nowadays, you know, I work from home. Like the the line is much more blurred. Sure because is. it's easy to take your work home. And we have smartphones and, you know, I can yeah. be... I can be at a birthday party and get a phone call from my boss or whatever. Right. Like yeah. it's yep. much more blurred lines. So that's another kind of, maybe that's an, an answer to a previous question about one of the things that's really hard is to have those boundaries because yeah. nowadays there's no boundaries. Yeah. You have to train your boss, right? I mean, have, yes. when, when do I answer my phone? You know, uh, if I have a boss and they call at 10 and I answer it, I just told them that I'll answer it at 10. You know, if I yep. reply at eight in the morning, then I'm, might be For teaching sure. them. There's some work hours here, and then you yeah. might find yourself out the door because you're a great guy, but you're not. You're not the lemming that just answers the phone whenever someone wants you to answer the phone. You know, it's 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 yeah. a there's a fine line for us to fit in out here. Boundaries to where we feel Tough. like perfection is the only way. Yeah. Yep. And then now we're trying to let go because nobody's perfect, and we're finally realizing that. Yeah. What would you What would you tell those kids coming up on your heels, man? You know, like hey. When you're starting to get out or while you're in, you know, what would you tell them to start looking at? Because suicides aren't going away. I don't know if they're picking up. I mean, they don't do the stats that often, but they have increased. And not only that, just the quality of life. What do we do with our hands, right? I mean, that's the hardest part was the transition. Now we're 20-year war transitioning out of that. And we're all like standing here with nothing in our hands to do now. We've been running with scissors for 20 years and now we're... You know, all these safety safety rules and things are going to change. You know, you need your road guard vest when you run and your haircuts and all that shit that comes back into play that people forgot about. No, by the way, go back to your legacy tasks and quit doing the fun shit. And everybody's like, well, this sucks now, you know? I mean, so what can you tell those guys to stay healthy mentally and uh, stay in their families? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, it's going to come to an end. I would even say this earlier. Like at some point, um, at some point, the whole thing will end, right? You might, you can do 30 years if you want. The day you get out, you might miss the big mish. Yeah. It's gonna happen, right? Like, um, so you need to think not just about the now and how you're a, a go anywhere commando, right? But at some point, like, at some point, you're going to be out of the military, and the things you do now are going to affect how your life is then. Yeah. Right. So if you're married, like, you need to, you know, fight for your family, and you need to have, you know, be a husband and a father if that's your role. Um, if you have kids, um, you need to also be thinking about, especially as you get closer to the end of your career, like, like taking an inventory of your skills and, and like filling in the gaps where you might need some more. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that could be college classes. That could be just reading, you know, any of these business books, whatever, like you have to like keep like the one thing guys like us can do well is learn. So true. Um, apply the skill of learning into, you know, your next role. Right. Uh, I, love that. I think the most, the most trans- transferable thing that, you know, someone from the military and someone from a spec ops background um, specifically, like 
every company is looking for men uh, or women who are good at being teammates and it's will true. do what it takes to get the job done. So right. guys with our background are, if we were, if we were halfway decent or if we were able to stay in as long as we did, we've proven that we are committed to being great teammates and we will do what it takes to get the job done. And you might not have a big college degree, but those two things, they can't teach in college. Right. hundred percent. Someone, someone somewhere at some company is going to want someone like you on that team. And if not, then, you know, go, there's the ability to start a business now is even easier than when I thought yeah. out in 2010, like people have like their podcasts and their, yeah. you know, YouTube channels and whatever, like that's a whole new thing. So there's stuff out there, right? Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And it's about reaching the guys who think that they don't have the skills. I, I, I think a lot of people are like, I don't know what to do. I don't have the training. I go, Oh, you don't know how to plan. You haven't been beaten into your head for the last 10, 20 years yeah. that you don't know how to plan. It's preparing for a mission. Read a book, read, you know, you study up on your next mission. So you're educated on it. And then, and then, and continue learning to do better along the way. Like you did in your job. You don't need to know, right. You don't right. need to know exactly. Like sometimes action, just moving forward will help you like, Oh, I just tried this and I didn't like it. I know I don't want to do that. It actually might clarify your aim. Absolutely. Boom. Absolutely. I love that. Keep moving from thing to, and like, oh, all of a sudden it's like, like, oh, I know what I, like that light bulb goes off and I know I want to, that's what I want to do. Right. Right. But meanwhile, if you had sat there, if I sit at this desk all day trying to figure out what I want to do, like, I might not get to that point. It is the, yeah. like, sometimes it takes action to clarify what you actually want to do. Like, you can't figure it out sitting still. No, I, yeah. I agree 100%. Even my daughter wants to be FBI since she's a little, little thing. And she's in the marketing club now. I said, oh, how's that going? Is this an interest? She goes, actually, it just confirmed that I definitely want to be FBI because, <laughs> you know, this is creative thinking. That's not what I want. I want logical thinking. So yep. going into that other arena, she it just, like you said, it solidified and, and actually made it more concrete that, no, that direction's not okay, but you've got to move. If you're not yep. moving and going and trying, how do you know what's right or not what's right? And sometimes the no that you get is the best no you'll ever get because the yes is right behind it. Yeah. Yep. It's all input. It's all information to decipher what, what you do with it, right? It's not a negative thing. It's just input. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, faith has been like a really big part for me. It's the only sustainable thing for me because I was so like fitness used to like being a seal to find me. Um, then my fitness defined me big time. And I had some real bad injuries and I couldn't like, I couldn't work out. I couldn't train to the point I wanted to, or like, quite frankly, you know, we have a lot, we have high mileage, so we can't like, we're just not the same athletes we were when we were 30 or even like 25. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was also not sustainable. Um, the outdoors has been helpful. Um, like for me, the thing, like the bedrock, obviously my family, but having, you know, having my faith has been super helpful because I know like, even if I can't work out today, like every morning I can say a prayer and read the Bible. Right. Yep. And that I would be, it would be a, an air of omission if I didn't mention that. So that's been super helpful for me. And also people try, this one is, I think is probably the, 
the biggest mistake. So many veterans, like they try to, I guess, escape the reality, whether that's drugs or alcohol, um, more, more alcohol. Right. But you know, some people are doing drugs too, but like that, um, that booze, man, like if, if, if you do it every night or whatever, like eventually it, 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 cause it's such a big part of our time in the military, like traveling, having drinks and da, 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 da. like, it's just something you have to really watch. I love those two yeah. points that faith is grounding and it's forever. Um, and it's something you could do every day and do do every day. It's you're constant and consistent. And I don't think they've ever, they've yet to prove that booze helps you. And um, the other piece, I mean, I'm yeah. not saying <laughs> teetotal, but they've yet to prove that copious <laughs> amounts of alcohol helps you. So right. yes, and in I think fact, it's the opposite of that, opposite, but yet we continue right. to do the copious amounts thing. So yeah, you're into Defy now, right? Tell us how people yep. can find you and about yeah. Defy. Yeah, so it's a cool story. Um, I actually, if we have a couple of minutes, I'll share the origin of it. Yeah, of course. Um, so I was, it, it kind of goes back to, it's doing one of those things that I didn't want to do, that I ended up doing, that didn't really pay a dividend until 10 years later. And I, I say this because it's so important. There's going to be things when you get out of the military where you're like, I don't want to do that. I don't really feel comfortable doing that. Or that sounds like a, I don't want to, it doesn't pay enough or whatever. But unless you, unless you know for sure what you're going to do, like you kind of have to say yes to a lot of things. And this was one of those things. Um, gun range owner operator. And I had kind of built this training program there. Um, and there's a group called YPO, a uh, young president's organization. And a, a Friend of mine worked there and they hired us, uh, me and a couple of SEALs, a Green Beret, and we had an EOD guy and all this whole crew. And uh, we did a full day of personal protection training at the gun range. So we had 40 people there, closed to the public that day, We and brought in these 40 people from YPO. And we, we put them through stations. We had a pistol station, a rifle station, a, a situational awareness classroom presentation and then some hand to hand. And so they kind of rotated between these four stations. Uh, and then at the end of it, we did a moderated Q and a, right. And it was a super cool, uh, in hindsight, it was, it was awesome. But at the time I did not want to do it because it was just a lot of work and it quite frankly, didn't even cover the cost of closing the range that day. Right. <laughs> yeah. So long story short, I, one of the guys in attendance is the founder, one of the co-founders of Defy. Um, and we stayed in touch uh, ever. And that event was like literally 10 years ago. Wow. So, and I had explained at that point, I had explained to that group, I was like, they're asking kind of questions like this. Well, what did you do when you got out of the military and blah, 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 blah. And I explained like, you know, I went 18 months without a paycheck. And, uh, you know, some people were like, that is insane. Like, you shouldn't have to do that. And Bo in particular, he was like, you know, that's BS. You know, someday if I have my own, you know, business, you know, you're going to work with me or I'm going to hire you. Right. So he put his money where his mouth is. Ten wow. years later, um, I had just left the uh, NRA and he was a private, you know, wealth manager at a at a company in Denver. And he had exited that and he had gotten together with uh, the other co-founders and they had 
originally started Defy as a CBD beverage company because um, Terrell Davis, um, the kind of the co-founder and founder and the name and the face of the brand, he had started to use CBD and it had really helped his knees. Uh, he, you know, he had had 30 knee surgeries. Oh, what? Just 30. Huh? Like oh he's bone God. on, he's bone on bone, no cartilage. Ooh. Right. So he started to use CBD in a big way and he could train again. He got back down to playing weight and whatever. Um, and then, so we started, Defy started as a CBD beverage only. And then we've kind of since expanded. We now have, uh, an alkaline water, kind of Ooh. like Essentia, but Ooh. our yeah. water is, uh, you know, we give back to the, you know, military and, and women owned business and amazing. And then, um, yeah. And then the, the African-American health center in Denver. So we give That's back great. to the, the water, a portion of proceeds from all of our water goes to those three charities. Um, but we have a, still have a CBD beverage. We have a, an energy drink, like a lightly caffeinated energy and immunity drink. And then we have the CBD beverage I mentioned, and then we have like CBD gummies and uh, muscle balm and things like that. And, you know, honestly, CBD is, as and, and we're like very, very clear that we're zero THC, right? We have, right. you know, CBD Everyone's is 0.3%, I think, of THC in it, but we are below undetectable. So it's been, uh, there's kind of a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of similarities between, you know, TD's story and mine, right? Or someone who leaves the NFL and someone who le- like, you know, like us, we leave a tier one unit, yeah. right? Like, um, yeah. the only difference is people know who they are. Um, <laughs> but like it chews you up, it spits you out. You've had surgeries, you've had this, that, and the other. And honestly, like if I, if I look back at my time in the military, like the two things that I saw abused the most were besides booze, but, um, <laughs> like, Painkillers, aka Motrin, and sleep meds, aka um, Ambien, yeah. right? Yep. And I think that, and and now they've come to find out, you know, obviously I can't take painkillers because I lost a kidney, so I can't even take a Motrin, right? Wow. It would be wow. damaging to me, uh, and I know better than to take Ambien. I know now, like that's yeah. not a great thing to take, nope. and. They handed that out to us like candy. Oh, I have a huge jar in my nightstand still that I, I quit taking because it literally, I just feel <laughs> I'd dump one bottle in the next, a full bottle, and it's just sitting there. I just thought about I need to dump that in the toilet or somewhere safe because I don't take them. Yep, same here. So long story short, um, I have found that CBD at night like very, like helps me sleep. I sleep through the night, and I don't wake up groggy. Like Melatonin makes me groggy. Yeah, right. Same. But CBD, I sleep through the night. I don't wake up groggy. I'm like a lot more relaxed. Uh, and I use it also for like inflammation. You know, I have herniated discs. I've got this. I've had a lot happen to me. I'm, obviously, I'm medically retired and 100 percent disabled. So I have my <laughs> I look young, but my MRI doesn't. Uh, <laughs> anyway. That's You're kind of the origin story of Defy and, yeah. and what I'm doing now. And and quite frankly, I got I got hired there as a consultant and then um, kind of did some more things. And now I'm the COO. So you just you just never know. 
uh, how it's going to go. That's pretty I love cool. it. I you love it. You never know who you're going to meet, right? So behave, inspiring. you know, how it can change you later. And I'm, before we wrap this up, I want to, I'm so glad you brought up that you're a Christian and your faith. Um, was it hard while you were in? Is it, was it one of those things? Because we're at the yeah. time in our lives now where we're not the preachers, you know, but we, we talk about it because uh, I'm not yep. religious. To me, that's man-made. I'm more spiritual because man, man will screw it up and we have. But it's hard to get it out there because as soon as you talk about, oh, religion or Christianity or spirituality, people are like, oh, he's a crazy person. Those are all those crazy yep. people that have ruined it for everybody. <laughs> Was that a post-military um, kind of? No, I've, I've, so I've, I don't have the sob story where, you know, I had the broken childhood and then uh, joined the military instead of going to prison and then found God. <laughs> like I, I, you know, always been a, I can't remember not being a Christian. Like that's the way I was raised. Um, but I can say that um, I wasn't always like, I mean, it was kind of obvious to people, but I was not like, I was, I was like, in a way, maybe even ashamed of it. Like I, I'm not ashamed, but I wouldn't like talk about it. Right. 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 Um, and then you know, I, um, it's, it's probably like, I don't have a lot of regrets, but the biggest regret that I have is that I wasn't as open about my faith in the military as I am now. Cause it was such a, an amazing opportunity where you are training and traveling with these guys. Some of which some may or may not know, you know, know God. And you have all this like danger and all this stuff happening. Right. And I just wasn't, uh, as as good at sharing my you know sharing my faith or the reason why um and i i agree with you like i'm not overly religious i'm just more like relationship yeah right yeah Yeah. that's a great word yeah i have have my prayer time and i read the bible and i mean i think i've read the bible the last six years cover to cover just by reading 10 10 minutes a morning um (laughs) and it just changes every time i read it but the thing I'll never forget, uh, I was at a Bible study in Denver and we were talking about different things that I had gone through. And, you know, one of um, two two nights after that Super Bowl min- story I mentioned in Iraq, we were we were in Iraq and a friend of mine, a younger guy was talking to me and he was just kind of asking like, well, what, you know, why did they die? What do you think about this? And like, and I could tell he was kind of fishing like, to ask about like faith and um, and why I believed what I believed. And I didn't like, and I didn't share it with them. Like I was kind of afraid or afraid's wrong. I wasn't as confident as I am. Yeah. Now, right. That's right. a good word for and, it. And, and, you know, uh, the next night he died in a house for an IED. I was standing right next to him and mm-hmm. I got, I got blown out of the, blown out of the way because i caught the overpressure and he got crunched by remember those carports those heavy like yeah. carports so he you know he took the brunt of that and he died and i was you know it took like a few years to realize but like i would like uh the way i would say it is i would run into a building full of al-qaeda who wanted to shoot me just for the flag on my shoulder yeah but i wouldn't talk to a friend uh, about the cross. And I was like, that's just, you know, something's wrong there. So that that's my biggest regret. Um, but, you know, I'm doing better now. Well, we've learned and we yeah. do different now, right? Yeah, that's right. right? And I think yeah. 
It's just it wasn't part of the culture either. And in so much right. of like belonging um, yeah. and survival, truly. I mean, if you go to the judgment. basic judgment biology, too, I mean. you need to be protected by your team and you need yep. to know that each other has each other's back. So there's a level of survival that goes into your your community that I don't think other people realize. So yep. for your own safety and security at that time, you're just being protective of um, yep. what what it was. So I think it's really courageous for you to share that now. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Absolutely, Eric. I've loved our time with you, man. I'm, I'm yeah, me so too. glad we talked about the things we talk about. It It's so reiterates those topics that we want to cover and we know we want to get into the seal community more and reach a larger crowd of people not that we try not to right but you know we've had other seals on but the more people we get on that talk about it the more people are going to listen because of who you were and that that helps more people so we appreciate you taking the time and coming on today yeah thank you so much appreciate it no i appreciate it thanks for the opportunity Thanks for listening to All Secure. Community matters now more than ever. So if you liked what you heard, please share, review, and subscribe. For assistance or to support our incredible warriors and their families, please visit us at allsecurefoundation.org. That's allsecurefoundation.org. Tune in next week to All Secure. And thanks again for listening. See you all then.